Africa Calling, a bi-monthly podcast with sound-rich reports from our correspondents on the continent. African Voices reporting on African stories produced by Radio France International. Hello and welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the Africa Calling podcast on November 12th, 2021. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. We have a number of infrastructure stories from our correspondents on the African continent this week, plus an interview with a Zambian civil rights activist from the sidelines of the Africa-France summit that took place in Montpellier, France last month. In this episode, our Malawi correspondent takes a look at how securing better housing for albinos is a major part of protecting them from harm. Our Kenya correspondent talks to people on both sides of the water issue and how an innovative system has improved quality of life in Kibera, the low-income settlement in Nairobi. And finally, don't forget our special song at the end. In the last four months in Malawi, Amnesty International has recorded seven attacks against persons with albinism, ranging from killings, tampering of graves, attempted abductions, and physical violence. These attacks have happened because their body parts are in demand for magic practices. Albinism is a genetic condition caused by a lack of pigment which protects human skin from the sun. The Malawian government is planning to start construction of decent houses for people with albinism to improve their personal security. Benson Kunchazera reports on the efforts by the Malawian government in ending the attacks and abductions against the minority group in the country. Malawi's president Dr. Lazarus Chakwero promised to end attacks of persons with albinism in a month once voted into power. Persons with albinism in Malawi have faced attacks ranging from killings, tempering of graves, attempted abductions, and physical violence. Chakwero said that he would build houses for persons with albinism because most of them are unable to afford decent homes. Enoch Chingoni, Lens Ministry spokesperson, says that although there has been a delay to construct homes, for the person with albinism with a 400 million kwacha budget issue happen after additional consultations. Our plan is to finish building the houses by the end of the 2021-2022 financial year. We hope that the houses will offer protection to persons with albinism who have been victims of the attacks, largely because most of them do not live in secured houses. According to the Rights Group Amnesty International report released in 2018, it shows that since November 2014, there has been 148 crimes reported with at least 21 deaths. Association of Persons with Albinism, APRAM, is asking the government to spearhead the housing project. We're here at APAM's office in Lilongwe. Persons with albinism rights campaigners have been demanding authorities to do more than just talking, making sure their lives are safe and protected. Maynard Zekaria, APAM's national coordinator, says most of the attacks have been happening right in victims' homes. He describes the condition of the houses for the most persons with albinism as pathetic, considering most of them live in rural areas where electricity is not prevalent is in the cities. You might agree with me that uh, most of these attacks have not happened uh, on the road, but people have been attacked right in, in their houses. So um, as an association, we have always um, uh, tried to request and force government to provide uh, 
safe and decent houses for persons with albinism because we believe that if they are provided with these houses persons with albinism will be safe Zekeria says he has urged the government to build houses with electricity, running water, and be well fenced in order to increase security. He says persons with albinism suffer social because of people believe their bodies are magical. This misconception makes people with albinism fear of going out in public, encouraging social isolation. We take a 40-kilometer drive from Malawi's commercial hub Plante to Nankumba village traditional authority in Gabu in Chikwawa. We are here at Fergus Licensed Home, a divorced mother of six who is serving sorghum ready for milling. Her three children were born with albinism condition. She is preparing to cook Sima, a Malawian staple food, while her two friends are helping her. Her son, Alfred Misoya, was attacked in 2017 by a non-man. and her daughter with albinism, Emily, still live together in the same house Alfred was attacked. She attributes the attack of her son to lack of proper infrastructure, which made it easier for the unknown man to break into their home. The widow says her children are still traumatized and they don't leave home often because they fear they might be attacked again. She has appealed to the government for help, saying her son's left hand is paralyzed due to the attack and he cannot work in their small farming fields again. Lyson takes us on a tour of her home. As you can see, our door is made up of thatched grass. The house is in a bad state as well because we cannot manage to build a good standard house on our own and the house isn't efficient to give full protection to my family who is currently living in fear. It is very easy to break the door down since it's not metal or wood but only grass. Different organizations have been coming and promising to build a house for us but up to now nothing has been done. She says her son Alfred and others have right to life, education, and freedom of speech despite being born with albinism. According to the Malawi census report, 134,000 Malawians live with albinism, the majority in the rural areas. If the homes promised by the government are finally constructed, it could improve their lives, and perhaps an information campaign on albinism could improve their situation as well. Reporting for RFI's Africa Calling, this is Benson Conchezela in Plantire. And perhaps a swifter response to the housing problem may be on the horizon for people with albinism. Overstone Condaway, an albino activist, was sworn into Malawi's parliament just last week after winning a by-election in the center of the country. This is a first in Malawi where people with albinism continue to suffer. Africa Calling, produced by Radio France International. In Zambia, it's nearly the completion of the first 100 days of President Hakande Hichilema's term. He swept a victory in August, trouncing incumbent President Edgar Lungu. Lungu's tenure was marked by widespread repression of civil society, quashing opposition groups, and muzzling the press in the country. 
This past month, we spoke to Laura Miti, veteran civil society leader in Zambia and the executive director for the Alliance for Community Action, or ACA. It's an organization which works to grow the demand for public resource accountability in Zambia. We spoke to Miti on the sidelines of the Africa-France Summit in Montpellier, France, where she speaks about the overall reaction in Zambia since Hichilema took power. Uh, a little heady. Um, uh, I think Zambians have discovered uh, <laughs> their new freedoms, and so I think he's not going to have much of a honeymoon. But already, I think what most people wanted was a return to law and order. So, for example, one of the reasons that made the PF lose was the violent cadres, what we call cadres, young people on the streets that uh, they had militarized and uh, were really harassing ordinary citizens. That he has managed to sort out. Uh, Soon after the win, the UPND young people thought it was their turn to make a bit of money and harass people, and I think he's come down very strongly on that which is uh, very good. Uh, there's the big question of corruption uh, from the last regime hanging over our heads. Most citizens just want to see a wholesale arrest of people and that kind of thing. But he has insisted that uh, it has to be done in an orderly fashion after investigation. That is causing a bit of unhappiness. <laughs> I think uh, people want to see answers because of the scale of the corruption. I'm hoping that is sorted out. But the big, big issue is the economy. It's the economy, the economy. Because uh, prices are high, there's uh, extreme uh, high poverty, unemployment as well, youth unemployment. And as you will know, it, it was the young people that turned out en masse uh, mm-hmm. to vote him into office. So they've got very high expectations. And we're hoping that uh, something can be done for them, both in terms of education as well as jobs. Mm. Now, um, as, as a member of civil society, in general, we know how the people feel. They want immediate uh, changes. But how does civil society, I mean, they've been quashed under Lungu. Um, does civil society see, are they cautiously optimistic or is this a really big change? It seems it feels like a really big change because already uh, we can do work that we couldn't do. So simply you can go into the provinces, hold your meeting without worrying about the police, without worrying about cadres. But what we want is for this democracy to be entrenched. We, we do not want to ever go back where we are depending on the goodwill of the president. So we don't want the goodwill of President Hichilema. We want laws changed. So the Public Order Act, there are issues with the Constitution, uh, access to information, I think those three are huge for civil society. Mm-hmm. And we'd like very early on to see movement towards uh, repealing of, of, of bad laws and passing of new, of, of new ones. Because, uh, as you know, Zambia changes presidents quite regularly. Who says we will get another one who takes us backwards? So what we need is not to depend on the fact that maybe uh, President Dichilema comes across like a Democrat, but that our laws and our constitution must guarantee uh, that we never go back to where we were with Longo. Almost immediately when he was elected, he um, reinstituted a number of media houses which was a very, uh, and TV stations, which was a very big, big deal. Civil society sees that as a positive thing, but is this enough right now? It's a good start. Those, those media houses were closed for no reason other than they gave a voice to uh, the opposition, maybe, and civil society. So we, uh, we are hoping that, again, this newly f- open space for the media is uh, entrenched. But that's why we want 
access to information legislation, for example, so that you're not getting information from under the table like we're doing. The kind of runaway corruption that happened in Zambia is simply because you can't ask simple questions. So how much did this uh, fair track actually cost? You, you will not get the answer. And so we need uh, laws to be passed. And, and in terms of in, uh, corruption, especially with the whole Chinese issue, with the, with the state TV and also the airport, Zambians are just thinking about buying staples. Is that also a big issue for Zambians right now? Yes, it, uh, it is a big issue. It's the grand scale corruption, I think, that is worrying, at least civil society. So, of course, there'll be two parts of Zambia. There'll be more informed Zambia and the people who just want food on their table. That's, that's understood. But in civil society, I think we want to know exactly how this corruption happened. What is the extent of it? What do we owe China, for example? Uh, how much, where did the debt that we borrowed to this extent actually go. And so it's a very complicated, it's a complex situation. I don't envy uh, uh, President Hichilema and his cabinet because the expectations are really high. The chances of disappointing people are also very high. But uh, like everybody says, we are hoping that he grabs those low-hanging fruits. So it is the initial legislation. It is making sure that corruption just stops going forward and is addressed uh, historically. Usually what we've had is people coming in and saying there was corruption, there was corruption, but corruption continues because for that corruption to take place the way it did, it's internal controls. It's, it's a system that's broken down. He's got to mend th- that system and ensure uh, that that doesn't happen. Already he's, he seems to be showing the, the right signs you know, in his travel delegation. Travel was one of the huge ways in which uh, our resources <laughs> were, were wasted uh, in Zambia. So his last trip to the, to, the, uh, to the UN was a small delegation. Two people. Uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah, and flew commercially. And maybe the fact that he himself is a wealthy person might be... <laughs> I mean, like he doesn't get excited with these things. So we hope that's how it's going to be. Mm. Do you do you think that with the economy, it's important? I mean, because the IMF, uh, he had a meeting with the mm-hmm. IMF, and it was a bit mixed in terms of the results. Uh, we're not quite sure exactly. They're looking over stuff. I mean, how do Zambian civil society see that? Civil society is divided on the IMF. Of course, the, most people are fearful about uh, the austerity measures that come with the IMF. On the other hand, much of our debt restructuring is going to depend on having an IMF deal of some sort. Mm-hmm. So we're hoping that uh, something can happen that does not hurt Zambians too much, because the ordinary Zambian has already had it very, very difficult. We need to have medicines in hospitals. We do need uh, 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 books in schools. You, uh, Unless something happens for the ordinary citizens, unless they can see that their vote improved their lives, I fear that the sense of disillusion is going to hurt Zambian democracy. Because very few people saw uh, this vote coming, the, the massive turnout, the decision, you know, the resolute decision. There has to be a result for that. I mean, what President Ichilema himself calls dividends of democracy. Because if it just ends up with people still poor, and maybe even poorer, I fear that going forward, especially the young people, will not believe in democracy. Check us out on Twitter, Africa underscore underscore calling. We're at Africa underscore underscore calling. And now from Kenya, another story on the importance of infrastructure. People living in informal settlements face many challenges, such as poor infrastructure, lack of safe drinking water, and insecurity. 
However, in Nairobi's Kibera slums, residents have started to benefit from a new water supply system, whereby water is distributed through skyline water pipes. According to Shining Hope for Communities, an organization which runs the project, more than 2,000 people are benefiting daily. Our correspondent Victor Maturi reports from Nairobi, Kenya. This sounds welcomes us to Kibera slums located south of Kenya's capital, Nairobi. Here, thousands of residents are benefiting from modern water services known as Kibera Aerial Piping Water System. This clean water is distributed through an overhead piping system to different water points known as kiosks within the slum areas. Ruth Atieno, a mother of three children, is a beneficiary of these new water services. She fetches water from kiosk one. Atieno says she has been working as far as Line Saba and showground areas to fetch water a distance of four kilometers from her house. This water has really helped us because it's cheap and it's treated. In the past, we used water piped from underground, and if the water service was disrupted, we had to walk a long distance, as far as Leni Saba and the showground areas, to get water. This one runs 24 hours a day because it comes from a borehole. I've got five people in my family, so I use 200 litres of water every day because I also use it in my business. I sell porridge, and I use a lot of water to wash utensils and cook porridge. Local says the innovative aerial piping system has reached even more people in Kibera with the clean water at their doorstep without fear of tampering and contamination. Christine Leila, a resident in Sarangombe ward within Kibera slums, says she has not used underground water for four years now. The water from aerial pipes is clean, but water from underground pipes is dirty. Sometimes it's mixed with sand and you have to filter. The aerial water piping water points have many canals and the water flows very fast. Kristin says some of the water points are digital, where residents can fetch water using token services. The tokens are refilled monthly through a pay bill number on a mobile phone. One jerry can of 20 liters costs two Kenyan shillings. You load the money in the token and it depends how much you have. It can be 5 shillings, 50 shillings or 100 shillings. You come with it and they load it for you. Sometimes if you don't have money, you can talk to the attendant and they let you fetch water. They're not bad people. They're good people. This new innovation of distributing water in formal settlements through aerial piping is a unique one in Kenya and also in Africa, and it has improved distribution of clean water to the thousands of residents. Vivian Awar, a water kiosk attendant, says more than 1,000 people fetch water daily from her water point. Some people fetch water early in the morning and others in the afternoon. Businesswomen and school children mostly come here in the evening. I serve more than 1,000 people per day. The water is safe for drinking and cooking and it's affordable. They use little money to fetch water, less money, more water. Two hundred meters from the first water point or kiosk, Peter Shante, who owns a public bathroom business adjacent to Kibera River, 
tells African calling on how he has benefited from the new initiative within Kibera slums. As I can say, this thing was built here in 2016. So up to this date I'm using it so and it's helping me a lot. As you can see, I am using it here in a shower. I have a shower here. I'm using that, that water. In a day, this one we are being sold, uh, this one at two bob. And this one, uh, this one CR five bob. However, water vendors are not happy. They are saying their businesses have been affected by the new water system. They have to reduce water prices to keep their customers afloat. John Umondi, not his real name, says he has to venture into other business to survive. I think we can safely say that water business is now down because of the competition. We used to sell water at 5 shillings per 20 litre jerrycan, but now we're selling it at 4 shillings. You can see how we are impacted. You know the other water is salty, but people want fresh water. I've seen some overhead piping projects, but some people prefer to fetch water here. We have to accept the competition, but we also have to focus on what other businesses are doing too. According to Shining Hope for Communities, a local organization which is championing this project in this area, more than 2,000 people are benefiting from aerial piping water each day. Jamlek Mutie, who is the water expert in this organization, tells us how this water system works. At uh, Kibera, we are supplying uh, the community uh, with water, uh, which so the source is a borehole, and we treat this water so that um, we make it safe before we supply to the communities. In terms of uh, water safety, the water has high fluoride levels, higher than the recommended 1.5 milligrams per liter. And therefore, we have a, a water purification system um, using the reverse osmosis technology that uh, purifies the water. And then um, we distribute the water through aerial piping system to strategic tanks. And then the communities are able to get their water through the water kiosks. The system is also installed with the automatic uh, water dispensers or water ATMs. Each uh, community member or household has been provided with um, a token or ATM card which are able to purchase uh, the token amount through pay bill numbers and then now they are able to access the water through the ATM machine. For decades, water cartels within this informal settlement have been tampering with underground pipes making it hard to supply affordable water to the residents. Mutia says the aerial pipes have now cracked down vandalism, theft of pipes, taps, and now locals are enjoying affordable and clean water. In terms of the impact uh, for this water is that, uh, one, we have been able to provide uh, reliably water to the communities uh, because currently Nairobi Water and Sewerage Company, the government uh, entity, is not supplying water in the area and the communities have been previously exploited by uh, informal water vendors or cartels who sell the water at exorbitant uh, prices. We provide water, a 20-litre jerry can, at two shillings uh, only, compared to the informal water vendors who provide more than 10 shillings per 
20 liter jerry can. The other impact is uh, the community being able to assess the water any time of the day or night. And we have actually provided uh, solar power lighting just to make sure that uh, women and girls are safe to get water even at those uh, odd hours of the day. Kibera is one of the largest slum in Africa with more than 500,000 people. Insecurity, poverty and a poor drainage are some of the major challenges facing the community. For a long time, a high rate of cholera has been reported within the slum due to poor drainage system and water scarcity. Emmanuel Karanja, a medical officer at Neptune Medical Center within Kibera slums, says waterborne diseases have reduced due to new hygiene measures and a modern water system. Uh, the most common cause of those waterborne diseases is usually water, contamination of water. Now, access to very clean and uh, consumable water is very important for the community. Before, uh, I think uh, there was depositing of wastes anyhow. People were not that knowledgeable about the diseases in the community. But currently, I think there's a good awareness amongst the community, uh, though it's not yet, uh, it has not reached the 100%, but at least the awareness is good. And then uh, some of the people are practicing actually the cleaning of the water themselves, treating the water or boiling the water. But the piping system has helped significantly because now people can get access to clean water. As locals in Kibera slums continue to enjoy new water services, other residents from the outskirts of Kibera are urging community organizations and other stakeholders to champion such innovations in their area calls so that they can have clean and affordable water. Reporting for RFI's African Calling, this is Victor Moturi in Kibera, Nairobi, Kenya. We're almost at the end of our program. We have music maven Alison Hurd in the studio. Hi, Alison. What do you have for us today? Hi, Laura Angela. Um, I'd like to introduce you, if you don't know her, to Sampa Tembo. She's from Zambia. Uh, she goes by the name of Sampa the Great. And anyone who knows anything about rap will know exactly who she is. No false modesty uh, with this woman, but she is huge and quite rightly so. Until very recently, she lived in Australia, where she won the Australia Music Prize twice. That's just to say that she is um, a very successful artist. So born in, in Zambia, grew up in Botswana and then moved to Sydney, Australia, where she really developed her music career. She's very outspoken. She denounces racism in the music industry uh, successfully on the song Time's Up, for example, which we can't play because there's lots of uh, bad language in it. <laughs> but I would encourage you to go and have a look at the video because it's remarkable. Um, going back to Zambia seems to have had a hugely positive impact on her music. She said that herself, and it inspired her 2019 album, which is called The Return. She's just announced there'll be even more new music coming up uh, at the beginning of next year. She's very influenced by Zam Rock, which is a musical form combining African rhythms with psychedelia and garage rock. It was hugely popular in the 1970s mm. um, in Zambia following independence. But while we're waiting for that, I've chosen a track. It's called Energy. It's a bit more soulful, a bit less rap. There isn't any bad language, but it's just as positive in terms of this message of black power and women's power and independence that she 
embodies. I hope you like it. Excellent. Well, thanks for listening to Episode 6 of Africa Calling. We'll leave you with the fabulous sounds of Sampha the Great. I'm Laura Angela Bagnetto. This episode was edited and recorded by Erwan Rome. Goodbye for now. We the my life jam nation. You realize all the time we waste. You realize all the pain we face. Please pour a cup feminine libation. My gosh, we raise you. Please sympathize all the lies we raise you. Please realize all the time. Family energy, drank a couple quarters on my chorus, then I code up. Hey. If I rule the world, money stacks for all my daughters. Hey. Never ask for payment in the womb, times nine. Now we see the blood on the street, times try. Feminine energy, balance up the indestructible in the vaginal heaven in thine. Heaven is mine. Spiritual, lyrical, mother sang sweetest taboo, rickle kind. If I was astonished by the level of shame, feminine energy, energy rain. Intuition and ambition, intuition strength. Intuition and ambition running through my veins. Pour what the love, let the healing begin. The birds and the bees. Listen me. I beg you open your ears for any waiting that they say. Waiting that they talk. Now serious talk that they talk go. No beating anger here speaking. Listen. In this world we deal, members say, yeah, one day go come when we all go go. Before long, we go meet Mama Godo. When we they meet Mama Godo, tell me, waiting, you go see. We the my life jam nation. You realize all the time we wasting. You realize all the pain we facing. Please pour a cup feminine libation. My gosh, we raising. Please sympathize all the lies we raising. Please realize all the time. Female energy, one shot, two shot, three times sorrows. Carry all the weight of the world on your shoulders. Give a couple crowns to the woman who had bore us. Told us, focus, love and support us. Magical, umbilical, my universe is radical. Introduce the nation to embracing what is factual. Feminine energy, almost mathematical. You can't really sub my body's infinite and valuable. Feminine energy, balance up the indestructible in the vaginal heaven in thine. She sing a melody to pass the time give us her energy so she feel mine if i was astonished by the level of shame feminine energy never shame again rain tamed brain praying intuition and ambition running through my veins pour out the love let the healing begin the birds and the bees